Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm Andrew Brandt. That music underscoring me is from the one and only Sam Brandt. Happy to have you here. It's going to be a Brandt's Rants edition. Just get right into it with what's going on in the NFL. Uh, as we sit here today, I'm recording this on Thursday morning, October 8th. We've had an issue with the Tennessee Titans uh, in the business of football. We're up to 24 positives, I think about half and half between players and non-players. We don't know if that includes coaches or scouts or front office personnel, but that's where we are. It's a mini outbreak, and maybe even it's an outbreak, and this is what's happening. Of course, the Titans did not play last week, which meant the Pittsburgh Steelers, their opponent, did not play. As we sit here today at this moment, their their game seems in jeopardy for this week, which would be against the Buffalo Bills, who would not play next week, who would not play, of course, and then we'll figure out what happens with the Titans. You know, here we go. Listen, all offseason, you know what I was saying in terms of how we're going to do this. Uh, You know, I really was talking about, are we really doing this, playing through a pandemic? And again, we talked about a lot of other sports and we talked about ways that other sports are handling it, primarily the bubble. And of course, the NFL not being able to bubble with such incredible staffs and so many people and ways to do it, which would not be feasible. Well, we have data. And before we get to the NFL, here's the data. Bubbles work in in an incredible way, an extraordinarily successful way. MLS, bubble, no infections. NHL, bubble, no infections. WNBA, no infections, bubble. And, of course, the NBA, which may wrap up in the next couple days after players got there and coaches got there on July the 7th. Okay? So we are now uh, three months. Three months the Lakers and Heat have been there, and I guess other teams a lot less or somewhat less. It worked. It worked. Bubbles work. So we know that. Okay, bubbles work is one thing we do know about the coronavirus and sports. If you bubble up, if you sequester, if you keep people away from the outside world, it works. You can have sports. You can have the entertainment that so many people crave. And again, we'll get to that entertainment aspect in a minute. And if you don't bubble, whether for logistic reasons or otherwise, there are risks. We're trying to thread a needle here in playing through a pandemic. We're trying to have the entertainment, have the logistics, and we talk about all the protocols. And what I talked about this offseason was you can have all the protocols in the world, but if if you're playing football, there's no way to protocol that. You know, blocking and tackling, applying force, uh, viral load, people being uh, next to each other for long times. So all of that is going on. So again, we back to before we get back to the Titans. What we had was Cam Newton testing positive for the Patriots. A separate plane that had the people that were in contact with Cam Newton going, and that's one thing. Okay, you isolate those people, but then it just seems incongruous that you've isolated those people, but then you're putting them on the field. Some of them, I guess, some were non-players, some were players. And Stefan Gilmore tests positive, the other best player for the back for the Patriots. And he's hugging other players after the game, Pat Mahomes, which again brings up the issue as you only send one player out for the coin toss because of social distancing. You don't allow jersey swaps, but you allow football and you allow hugging after the game. 
which again, there was no uh, rule against what Stefan Gilmore did. Anyway, he tests positive. We'll see if there are other positives. There doesn't seem to be any on the Chiefs. There doesn't seem to be any further on the Patriots. So we're back to the Titans. And the Titans have this issue. What do we do? Well, this is a, a moment in time for the NFL. How do you do this? Baseball had issues with the Marlins and others and re- could rejigger the schedule with their seven-inning doubleheaders. It's easy to do in baseball. Not easy, but relative to the NFL, easy. It is not easy with the NFL because with the NFL, what you have is this regimented schedule that requires time between games because of the physicality of football. And how are you going to rejigger a schedule with one team, which looks like having two down games and hasn't even had a bye week, which of course they're not going to have. And then of course you've got Pittsburgh and it seemed to be solved last week, but now you have Buffalo, and how are you going to solve that? And again, when I heard people talking about, well, let's take a pause last week, I'm like, no, you don't want to take a pause. Because if you take a pause, what about later? You're going to need another pause. It is naive to think that this is going to be our only outbreak of the season. Now, I know everybody's down on the Titans. What do they do? Let's blame them. Let's take away draft choices. Let's make them forfeit games. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're not bubbling. I know you're saying players don't go anywhere. They go home and they go to the facility and that's it. But we know this disease travels at warp speed. So we're going to (laughs) try to get this thing done. And again, that's why I say we're trying to thread a needle with the NFL trying to do this. Okay, we've seen it in college, games postponed, games canceled, they'll figure it out later. But I think the one thing the NFL has is who among us is really going to mind if this thing goes past the first week of February? Of course they have the week built in between the championship games and the Super Bowl. That's an easy week to to knock out. You don't need a bye week. Forget it. Who cares about a bye week between the championship games and the Super Bowl? It's just for media hype, really. The players can play after a week. Uh, And then we talk about going into February if we have to push this thing back with week 18, week 19, week 20, whatever it may be, plus playoffs. Yes, we can do that. Who's going to object to that? Networks aren't. What's the February programming they're worried about? No Olympics coming up? Uh, Fans aren't, certainly aren't. College basketball? Yeah, I mean, if it gets into March Madness, but... Hopefully this will be wrapped up by late February. Wouldn't it be two, three, four weeks extra? And again, now we're just talking about one team. So the natural inclination, because the NFL is so big, it's such a monolith, it's the most popular sport in America. Yes, we're concerned. But let's see. And let's see what they do to the Titans. I mean, do they? It's interesting because Major League Soccer had their bubble. The Titans had an outbreak. Not the Titans. The Nashville team had an outbreak before they even went down. The MLS said, don't come. It's the Tennessee team. They said, no, don't come. Would the NFL ever do that? No. They're not going to kick out the Titans for the 2020 season. But there may be forfeits. You know? And then, of course, we don't even know if they're going to play this weekend. Competitive balance is out the window this year. So 
maybe, as we sit here Thursday, they wait till Friday or Saturday and they clear tests and they say play. Maybe Sunday, maybe Monday night, maybe Tuesday night. Because forget about competitive balance this year. That doesn't matter. You know, if the Titans have to play Monday after not practicing or play Sunday after not practicing or play Tuesday after one practice, so be it. So be it. There's not going to be any complaining and crying about they don't get to practice. That's where we are. So as we sit here, we wait and see. But I've said it all along. I'm not saying I told you so. I think the NFL has done a great job. Not good. Great. Kudos to the players. Kudos to the owners. 2,000 players. How many? 40,000 tests. 80-something positives. What an incredible job they're doing. But as good as they're doing, this is, I go back to my term, Threading the needle. It's a hard thing to do in trying to play through a pandemic in the most popular sport in America. And I get it. If anyone gets it, it's me. You're not shutting down a $15 billion business. Think of the detritus that would come out of that for player pay, for scout pay, for coach pay, for network money coming in, for the business of the biggest business in sports, the NFL. So I get it. I get why we're not playing. I mean, why we have to play and play through this. And the NFL, as we talk about every week, they have powered through from the beginning of free agency. We're playing. We're playing through free agency. We're playing through the draft. We're, we're powering through this offseason. Uh, training camps, of course, a lot of it on Zoom and no games. But season starting on time. Here we are. We're, got, we're getting through this. We got a Titans issue, but we're getting through it. So the NFL sent a note to all teams, and I know some are pissed at the Titans, I get it. And it really read like the note that you know, I teach at Villanova that we get from Father Peter, the president of Villanova, like it's the same message and my son's college gets from their president, which is shape up or you're gone. Shape up or we're shutting down. You better get a hold of this thing or there will be consequences. In the case of the colleges, Sending the kids home, no way to come back, kids that are graduating won't have commencement, those kind of things. In the case of the NFL, you know, the what gets their attention? Forfeiture of draft picks. Fines, yeah, somewhat. But forfeiture of draft picks. That gets the attention of the NFL. And again, executives I talk to, there's been a lot of vigilance, vigilance throughout these teams. Basically saying you bubble in two places, here and at home, and you don't do anything else. Now, are people doing something else? Or the, were the Titans out practicing when they're supposed to be doing Who knows? But it's not good for the Titans. Obviously, they're going to have to answer to this, and we'll see if they're playing. Back to my rants in a second. First, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Week four's in the books. Here we are, week five. got to go to DraftKings Sportsbook. They're America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now. You don't want to miss this. DraftKings has given all new users a chance to receive a sign-up bonus of $1,000. Great odds every Sunday. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS when you sign up. Get the $1,000 bonus. That's ROSS. Get a sign-up bonus of $1,000 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. 
Back to the rants. I want to talk about the Houston Texans. There's big news this week. They are, have fired the first coach in the NFL this season, Bill O'Brien, 0-4 coach of the Houston Texans, but also general manager of the Houston Texans. So two jobs have opened up with the Houston Texans football club of the NFL. Everyone is obviously uh, bashing Bill O'Brien, have been for so long, including me. For some of the moves, obviously I can't speak to coaching, but for some of the GM moves, again, that hit me, not getting adequate value for DeAndre Hopkins, uh, trading Davian Clowney for midline players, and actually paying half his salary, $7 million to get rid of him and while he played for Seattle, and of course, trading for Laramie Tunzel, two number one picks, which is going to affect them deeply in the coming future, mortgaging, and of course, not getting his extension done at the time of trade, which is always a faux pas of a general manager, because that's when you have any kind of leverage of course, it didn't get done, and Laramie Tenzel used that leverage against the Texans. Got an incredible deal of $22 million a year because he had the extraordinary leverage of having been traded for two number one picks, that incredible pressure, those precious assets, and they didn't get a deal done when in trade was happening. So those are some of the gaffes of him as a general manager, but here's what I want to say. He had no chance. The model of coach general manager is one destined to fail, and he was not put in a position to succeed. I've said this many times. Here's the deal. Coaches have to inspire. They have to motivate it. Players have to like them, at least if they don't like them, respect them. They have to run through a brick wall for them. They have to look up to them. And when you tie that with a uh, holding the purse strings for the player, that's a problem. Because general managers, on the other hand, have to be unemotional, detached, and forward-focused looking ahead, wanting those precious assets like draft picks, thinking about the team going forward as much or more than the team at the present. So you combine those two roles, and they are opposite roles in some ways, and they have different philosophies, and they're different with ideologies and philosophies. So how do you put one person in charge of that? Well, it doesn't work. And I was in that situation in Green Bay when Ron Wolf retired in 2001. Our new coach, a couple years in, or one year in, I believe, Mike Sherman had done such a good job that Ron said, okay, you're the general manager. You know, you do it. So Mike Sherman became coach and general manager, extraordinary power. But that was tough because he had to handle the purse strings. So he would look to me. And many times he would say, Andrew, I need to, or I will, or I have to make you the bad guy here. And I said, Mike, I totally get it. Absolutely. Totally understand it. Because again, he had to have the respect and trust, moreover, of the players. So he can't be telling them to go out there, give their all, push themselves, while on the other hand saying, I need to slash your salary. I guess he could, but it was much easier for to have me handle that part as the de facto general manager when it came, certainly to player finance. I got it. And every time that's happened with a coach general manager, there has been that quote unquote bad guy like me. In Philadelphia, all those years with Andy Reid as de facto coach general manager, he had Joe Banner to play that role. In Kansas City, where he is, I guess he's just coach, but he has Brett Beach to play that role. Uh, so we don't really have that model except for New England, 
where Bill and Belichick has their role. And anyone who hasn't lived under a rock and seen Bill Belichick for the past 20 years knows that that cold, unattached, unemotional, detached uh, general manager's stoic face is perfect for him. And somehow, some way, he can do both. But having expecting someone to do both in that situation is really hard. So I don't blame uh, Bill O'Brien. I mean, I certainly blame him for those moves we talked about as general manager. And, of course, as coach, start off in a bad year, but he's playing. Who's he playing? He's playing the, the, you know, teams like the Ravens and the Chiefs. I know that's no fun. But anyway, here we are. And uh, the first move in terms of replacing a coach and a general manager has happened in the NFL, and it's happened to Bill O'Brien. I would hope that the Texans separate those roles. It would seem that's an obvious thing to do to ownership right now, seeing the way it worked out, have a coach, focusing on that, again, earning the trust, inspiration, motivation with the players, have a general manager, forward focus, now without a number one pick. That's going to be very high in the draft, at least at this point, and see where that goes. Okay, that's my rant about Bill O'Brien. My final rant, uh, I just want to say I am unabashedly biased about Aaron Rodgers. I have been through thick and thin, and I was heavy on that the other night when they went to 4-0 with kind of an easy toying with the Atlanta Falcons game that seemed never in doubt, and he's playing at a high level. I feel about Aaron Rodgers, again, admitting to bias, the way I feel about LeBron James. Pick your MVP. I'm not trading these guys for him. Whoever you want to pick as MVP of the NFL, whoever you want to pick as MVP of the NBA. I'm not trading LeBron for that. I'm not trading Aaron Rodgers for that. They're the best players. And again, the one thing I'll say is Aaron seems in a good place. He seems secure. He seems whatever went on the offseason. He's got a, a lot of mindfulness and peace about him. You know, I cannot relate to that. It's come to me later in life. He's a lot younger than me. But again, I have bias. I was there for three years with him. He was a backup the whole time. He came over the house. We got to be friends. And he just had this way about him. I'm like, this guy is going to be successful. Confidence that some people look at as cockiness, but just this incredible intelligence and sense of self. And I think when I hear Aaron Rodgers answer questions, it's unlike any other athlete answering questions. And I like that. I like people who are interesting. So many athletes do the cliche and so many athletes, you know, get away from the cliche, but I just don't find it interesting. When I hear Aaron talk, it's interesting. And he understands that his voice carries incredible weight. Even when I talked to him on this podcast years ago, I would hear him talk about the fact that his voice speaks for all of Wisconsin and Packer Nation. And he understood that, especially when we were talking about Kaepernick and social justice issues, even way back then. So it's really interesting to see how that goes. And uh, obviously Aaron's in the conversation for MVP. I only made one sports book. I walked by a sports book this summer. I made two bets, Packers to win it all. And Aaron Rodgers didn't win MVP. I think it was 21 to one or something like that. I never bet, but I said, okay, I just feel it. You know, again, they drafted Jordan Love. I know everyone's talking about that. I think Aaron, like me, realized there's going to be an expiration date on his time in Green Bay. First round picks play. That's what they do. They play. There's no scenario where Jordan Love doesn't play. I really believe that no matter how great Aaron plays this year, because he was never going to be replaced this year. And in my mind, not never going to be replaced next year. 
So the expiration date is 2022 or 2023. We'll see. But right now he's playing great. It's great to see. I'm unabashedly a fan. I'm a fan of the Packers. It shows on my social media. I don't deny it, and I'm good with it. Okay. That'll do it for this week's edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Grant. I'll be back next week. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, my musical producer, Sam Grant. Thanks for following me on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. Apple Podcasts, rankings, and comments, always appreciated. Give us a good one. I really appreciate it. I'm at Patreon, andrewbrandt.patreon, where you can get more access and more content from me. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.